Hello and welcome to On Mic with Jordan Rich, conversations with creative people from all walks of life. And I'm so honored to bring some of these wonderful people to you and keep these conversations alive. Quick note about how to contact me, email jordan at chartproductions.com. That's the studio where we produce the program, jordan at chartproductions.com. On Twitter, it's at jordanwbz, and our Facebook page is The Jordan Rich Show. My guest today is Ellie Glazer, the founder and director of a program called Sovea. He is dual certified as a nutrition and wellness consultant and weight management specialist and has been maintaining his own 130-pound weight loss for more than 15 years. So he's been there. He knows what it's like to have a weight problem and a food problem. Ellie has developed and mastered his groundbreaking Sovea Weight Loss Solution, an all-encompassing and life-changing program which allows somebody to really overhaul their eating habits and relationship with food, giving them the ability to not just lose the weight but maintain what Ellie has maintained, a healthy body size. He's got a book called Enough is Enough. We're going to talk a lot about that. And he's also an ordained rabbi, having spent more than 20 years in the field of outreach, education, and rabbinic counseling, as well as working as a journalist and sports reporter, working at the Washington Post, the Baltimore Sun, and elsewhere, and even serving as a war correspondent during Operation Desert Storm back in the early 90s. He's met with great success, and we're here to talk a little bit about his program and how any one of us can get healthy in the new year and the new decade. So, Rabbi Ellie Glazer founder and director of Sovea. Let's go on, Mike. Lovely to meet you under these circumstances. You and I go back a long way. I actually worked with your lovely wife, Zaka, and she's a talented voiceover artist and uh, among other things. You've been busy with Sovea. What does it mean, the actual word? Sovea is a biblical Hebrew word that means to be satisfied. So the Rolling Stones were correct, actually. You can't get any <laughs> satisfaction. That's if you're eating for indulgence or eating, you know, spontaneously. But if you have a plan and you're eating to nourish your body, that's really the healthy way to approach eating, and that's what the word sovey means. So it's in the context of satisfying yourself with food as opposed to indulging yourself with food. Okay, Enough is Enough is the title of the new book, How the Sovea Solution is Revolutionizing the Diet and Weight Loss World. And we have to point out to the audience that there's a, a picture of you on the cover, Handsome Devil, but there's also a before and after version. Let's talk about the before version and then when you had this epiphany and, and came to your senses, so to speak. Sure. Um, so I struggled with uh, weight for much of my life, up and down, like the roller coaster, gaining and losing 20, 30, 50 pounds. Um, but there was a time when I was actually in Boston where I put on 100 pounds and uh, I tried all the conventional diets uh, and you know, lost 50 pounds eating, you know, as much uh, protein as I wanted to, you know, in the keto diet, but I put it back on until someone 17 years ago shared with me this one idea that really transformed my life and has really made an impact and revolutionized the diet and weight loss world. He said, Ellie, you don't have a weight problem, you have a food problem. I said, what do I mean by that? I said, well, I knew how to, you know, comfort myself with food. I knew how to indulge myself with food. I knew how to reward myself with food, but I didn't know how to nourish myself with food. It's not that my weight was my problem. The weight, and I thought it was because I was morbidly obese at 300 pounds, mm. 5 foot 11, but that was really a consequence of my problem that I had an unhealthy, dysfunctional relationship with food. And he said, you have to stop focusing on changing your weight and, stop fo and start focusing on mm. changing yourself and your relationship with food. It, and that idea and the whole you know, program right. that he kind of presented for me that he was doing himself um, really changed my approach to eating and changed my approach to the way that I dealt with life and resulted in me losing 130 pounds and, more importantly, being able to maintain it for these past 17 mm. years. 
It's it's and, so uh, interesting to me, uh, knowing of your background and people like you who are so bright and have so many things in their lives that they're working on and helping other people with. I mean, you're an ordained rabbi, for crying out loud. And yet we're all, all of us, human beings who are frail and have issues and, and sometimes we're the last ones we want to take care of. That That's a great point. And I find it, you know, I've, I've become a weight loss coach and I've you know, worked with thousands of clients all over the world. And I would say probably the single biggest demographic are type, type A personalities. Mm. Like myself, people very accomplished, successful, intelligent, um, but this one aspect of the life that they can't get a handle on. And it's very frustrating for them because they can control so many other aspects uh, of their life. And that's what it was with me. I had a lot of students and they said, you know, Rabbi, I don't understand. You know, you have such discipline in your life. You only eat kosher food. You observe the Sabbath but you can't get a handle on your hamburgers. <laughs> and <laughs> I said, you know, they were right, until I had yeah. to realize that uh, I had to change my approach and my outlook to eating and how I was using food as, uh, you know, a, a staple in my coping mechanisms of life and my, I felt entitled to indulge. The two basic things that I had to really change in myself, this is what I bring out in the book and also with my clients, is that I had to be willing to engage in what I call unconditional and sometimes uncomfortable honesty mm. and self-maturation. Because I, I, I fancied myself a relatively honest person, but in my relationship with food, I was so dishonest. I would convince myself, it's okay just this one time. Uh, you know, living in that, you know, <clears throat> you know, and fooling yourself for so long. And that's, so many of us do that. And we're not dishonest people, but when confronted with a temptation, with an immediate desire, we can rationalize with the best of them. So I had to realize, mm-hmm. no, that, you know, I was not being unconditionally honest with myself in how I was approaching food and what I was doing with it. Because after the fact, as all of us who are overweight or obese um, realize, you know, we, we don't look at and say, I, you know, I support that behavior. I would do it again. We, we're always living with that regret mm-hmm. and with the remorse. And how did we do that? How could we fool ourselves? Because we're not engaging in that honesty at that time. And the second aspect of it really is I would call self-maturation. Now, I also, I fancy myself a relatively mature person, then, even though my wife might argue with that sometimes. <laughs> but in my relationship with food, I acted like what I call the six-year-old syndrome. Yes. I wanted what I wanted and, you know, get out of my way. I was going to have it. And that's another thing I had to learn how to change and to uh, adjust was my maturation with food. I give the story of, like, the roller coaster. Let's say that, uh, you know, you have this, uh, you know, the six-year-old nephew, and both of you love roller coasters, and you make a plan next week to go to the amusement park, and you get there, and you're so excited, and he's really excited, uh, and you run right past the turnstile, right past the bumper cars, right past the arcade and the laser tag, and you get to the roller coaster, but there's one problem, Jordan. There's that yellow tape around it with a sign that closed for repairs. So what's your reaction at that moment? Oh, that's, that's disappointing. That's a shame. What's your six-year-old nephew's reaction at that moment? He's devastated. He has an inconsolable tantrum. So the question is why? Why, even though relative to the two of you, the enjoyment is the same, is your reaction so different when that pleasure is taken away? The answer is that, as an adult, you don't have an emotional investment in that media gratification, that media pleasure. With a six-year-old, he does, which is natural and normal. Right? So that's what we have. I call it the roller coaster effect in our relationship with food. I felt devastated when I didn't have, when I did get what I wanted. So that's one of the things I had to kind of work through is transfer from what I call devastation to disappointment. I can be disappointed in things, not having a piece of chocolate cake, as it were, but I'm not devastated about it. Mm. And that's one of the key aspects that I had to be willing to engage. And that's really one of the formulas for long-term success. 
Let me ask you this. Is there a correlation between what we hear as addictive personality and what you've gone through and learned from? I mean, is there a, a connection to other things in life beyond food, or is it just food? No, absolutely. I think, you know, compulsive behaviors uh, certainly manifest themselves in many ways, and certainly with food. I think, I think compulsive eating is the most, you know, abused form of, uh, of, of addiction that exists, and I think it's the least understood. Um, certainly, we understand the concepts of addiction with uh, drinking, with alcohol, with drugs, with gambling. And the definition of, of abstinence or sobriety with those is very simple, very clear. I'm not in any way belittling the, the accomplishment of someone who is clean and sober, but you know, the demarcation is very, you know, is very straightforward. You drink or you didn't drink. You gambled, you didn't gamble. You took the drugs, you didn't take the drugs. You can't say that about eating, right? So with eating, this the act of eating compulsively, the act of eating spontaneously or addictively certainly exists out there, and it's least understood because people just kind of approach it with, well, it's just about willpower. Come on, just be stronger, have more self-control. We wouldn't say that necessarily to an alcoholic. You would say, well, no, he needs to go into a program to really address his compulsive drinking. And that's really the framework that uh, a person has to address. I, I think most people who are obese really have certain aspects of that as well. And I actually devote a whole chapter in my book uh, regarding that. It's called Stay in the Blue Box, about kind of understanding the distinction between compulsive eating and other compulsive behaviors and how we approach mm-hmm. it in the context of recovery. Because with every, any other type of recovery, it's what's called it's a passive abstention. They just didn't drink or they didn't take the drugs. But with us, we can't say that about eating, so it's got to be proactive. <laughs> yeah, we, we all kind of need to eat to survive. It's not a question exactly, of 100%. passing so on. So how do we eat in a way that's healthy, that's appropriate, that's enjoyable without eating compulsively? And that's where a food plan comes in. The book is well documented. There's a lot of information and keys, as you call them, to success, to making progress. But one of the things that I've noted, and I do not have a weight problem, never have, but one of the things that I've noticed is as I've changed my eating habits over the years to, to a more healthy regimen is that like anything else, your body becomes used to it and you kind of crave healthy stuff after a while. Did you find that to be the case with you as well? hundred percent. Sure. I mean, refined carbohydrates are addictive substances. Mm-hmm. They go to the same part of the brain as alcohol, as drugs. It creates serotonin, endorphins, you know, uh, which are pleasure sensors. So the more that we have in our body, the more that we have to just literally go through the detoxification of that. And, and when we do that as well, we can resensitize ourselves to the natural sweetness that exists in foods, in fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like if someone you know, goes off of soda for a while and several months later they drink a soda, it's, it's almost you know, unbearably sweet to them. So it's the same thing with refined carbohydrates and it, not only how it affects your blood sugar and you know, keeping, giving you, you know, consistent you know, glucose levels, which helps your extended energy, which helps your weight loss, but more importantly, like you're saying, it has, how, do, how, do, how do you react to that, tr- to that craving? How do you act to that temptation, that trigger? We're talking with Ellie Glazer, whose book is Enough is Enough, How the Savea Solution is Revolutionizing the Diet and Weight Loss World. And when one talks about diets and thinks about the fads and the crazes out there, uh, it really pains me because I know that these are yo-yo plans. They're they're temporary, and, and some of them are actually dangerous if people go overboard. What's your take on the, the diet revolution out there? Not yours, but the other ones. Right. So I think one of the you know one of the seminal messages of our program is that uh, successful weight loss is not about losing weight, and uh, you know obesity is not a medical problem; it's a behavioral problem. Mm. Uh, it's a temptation; it's not a tumor. So it's not about intervention, and it's not about the mechanics of weight loss. It's not about the mechanics of nutrition. It's about the mechanics of change, of changing your relationship with food. 
Now, I'm the CEO of my organization, but I like to call myself also the CCO, the Chief Change Officer. <laughs> and that's really what you know we try to approach. And any time that you want to make a change in anything in life, but, spe- but specifically, I think, in your relationship with food, there are three target areas of change. I call them the three H's. And without addressing all three, it's just another recipe for relapse or formula for failure. And the three H's represent your head, your heart, and your hands. You have to change the way you think about food, the role that food plays in your life. You have to change your heart, the way you feel about food, your emotional dependency on food, using it as a comfort, using it as a crutch, using it, you know, your indulgence, your you know, in, uh, investment in that immediate gratification. And also change your hands, how you handle food. Mm. So all diets and you know, uh, nutrition programs out there, many of them are well-meaning, but they're just focusing on what I call solving the consequence and not solving the problem. Going back to the, you know, to the, uh, the addictive analogy for a second, if you have an alcoholic who's drunk and he runs into a cold shower or drinks up a pot of black coffee, which are the classic ways to get sober real quick, and he comes out of that shower, he comes out of that kitchen, says, I'm sober now, therefore I'm cured, it'll never happen again. You don't need to be an addiction counselor to know he's fooling himself. So what did he do? He just took care of this, the temporary consequence, but he didn't address the real issue. And that's what that person meant when he shared with me 17 years ago, I had a food problem, not a weight problem. My, my morbid obesity was a consequence of my unhealthy relationship with food. It was a serious and, and deadly consequence. And by no means am I belittling the consequence of obesity and that the medical, it's a medical consequence, but that's not the issue. So if you want long-term success, you have to focus less on losing weight and focus more on changing yourself and your relationship with food. And a wonderful benefit will occur, which will be weight loss. But more than that, you'll develop the behaviors to maintain a healthy body size for the rest of your life. And that's really, I think, the greatest credibility, Jordan, that I have with my clients is not the fact that I lost 130 pounds or became a nutritionist or a weight management specialist or wrote this book. It's that I've maintained it for 17 years, and I'm not stronger than anyone else. I'm not no greater wisdom. My wife can certainly verify that than anyone else. It's not about self-control or self-discipline. It's about willing to change, and everyone has the capacity Mm. to change if they're given the right program and the right formula. Let me also address the exercise question, and you point out that when you were struggling with your weight, you uh, did what a lot of people do. You say, oh, I'll just exercise more. I'll just eat the same, but I'll exercise more, and of course, nothing happened. Now, you're able to run marathons and so forth. That's a misconception, isn't it? I mean, it really does depend on what your intake is and how you're eating, as opposed to just trying to burn off all those calories. 100%, yeah. I mean, I was an exercise bulimic for many years, and bulimia is any action that's a direct response to the influx of calories to burn those calories or to counterbalance those calories. The most common forms are, you know, laxatives or, you know, self-induced vomiting. Um, that's, you know, the ones that are most understood, but the ones that are most practiced are actually exercise bulimia, as you, you know, identified. I'll eat this now, fine, I'll work it off tomorrow. It's, it's really the same dynamic. And I, and I did that for many years. Now, I want to make it very clear. I'm a huge proponent of exercise. I think it's critically important for overall mental health and for physical health, emotional health. And it's a supplement for weight loss, but it's not the primary causality of weight loss. The primary causality of weight loss is having appropriate food plan and maximizing what I call robust calories and minimizing empty refined calories. Mm. And that will allow your body to lose what I call conscientious and consistent weight loss. And whether you have exercise or not doesn't really matter as far as creating that, um, excuse me, you know, creating that, uh, initiating that program and creating that consistency. 
you have certainly found your place and you're uh, helping people all over the world now. And I've seen this organization of yours grow from just an idea to where it is today. So congratulations. I want to take you back, though. And I mentioned, of course, you're an ordained rabbi, but you've also had a series of interesting experiences. Tell me about the sports journalism. You worked for the Washington Post and other papers. What was your gig? What was your beat? Sure. I call it my, in my previous life. Um, so I, I grew up loving sports and I, you know, fancy myself a writer and I enjoyed writing and I grew up in DC. So, um, I went to the University of Maryland at, which actually at that time had an independent daily newspaper, the Diamondback. And I worked there as a freshman and then as a sophomore, I got a job at the Washington post, a real small fish in a big pond. Um, and I started working there and uh, I was there for three years. And then after graduate, I worked at the Baltimore sun for five years. So I was in the, uh, in the field, in the industry for a total of eight years as a sports journalist enjoy it. It was, you know, I mean, I got paid to go to games and to cover sports, and it was a lot of fun. But I realized after a while that, you know, maybe there's more to life than first downs and three-point shots. Mm. Um, and therefore, I wanted to do something more meaningful with my life, and that's kind of where I started the next part of my uh, journey, as it were. And I went to Israel, and I was not such not such an affiliated or knowledgeable Jew, so I wanted to learn more about that, learn more about my heritage, learn more about my you know, my, my faith and how that could practically, you know, play a role in my life. And it ended up, um, I stayed in Israel for five years, got my rabbinical degree and was in an uh, outreach community, outreach and education uh, for the eight years after that. Wow. It's uh, interesting how these paths happen for us, all of us. And I mentioned your lovely wife, Zaka, who I, I'm just a huge fan of. It's really interesting because I've been following through her various emails to me, your rise in success. So tell us how it works now. You've got the book, you've got your website, which we'll uh, continue to plug. But how do people uh, come together? Do you do your work online, a lot of it, or do you do it in person? How does it happen? So I, I for the last 15 years, I've been doing uh, weight loss coaching in person and also via video conference. Most of my clients are virtual. I have clients all over the world. But what's so exciting with the launch of, of my book, I also put together a home study course. I call it the Sylvia Solution Signature Series. And it's really a 10-week total transformation online experience, which is a 10 video modules that I've produced the program that I've really I think, you know, fine-tuned over these last 15 years about long-term success and put it in a package and in a platform that anyone can access at any time. And that's really what, and we're launching that just right now during this time, uh, along with the book, and, you know, we're getting great mm. uh, response uh, and critical reviews for that. And one of the aspects of the, of the signature series of the home study course is a customized food plan. I think one of the important necessary elements of successful weight loss is having a having a healthy and also customized and responsible food plan. Now there are thousands of uh, weight loss apps out there, cookie cutter, you know, programs or calorie counters or menu planners. But as far as a food plan that guides you through the day, what foods to eat for each meal, how much based on your unique criteria, there really isn't like anything like that in the diet and weight loss industry. Now, I used to create that from scratch when I would work and do the intake with each client and tease out what their unique station, station life was, their schedule, and how they presented with themselves, their weight, their height, their issue, you know, the, any other you know, individual unique criteria they had. What I've created is a unique algorithm uh, online in, in, our, in our website that now a person can fill out an intake form and that will generate a custom food plan for them. And that's the first part. That's the, the first week 
of the signature series. So now anyone can access their own customized food plan without having to necessarily work with me, and, and therefore we can just you know give this ability to um, have people utilize our program so much you know greater mm. than just me working one on one. Because as you know, everyone's time is limited. Sure, 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 sure. And, you know, well, let me let me do this. It's obviously on the introduction, but I'll do it again. It's Sovea, S-O-V-E-Y-A dot com, Sovea dot com, for all of the links and all of the information we're talking about. Final request, I would love for you to, in, in a short two-minute window or less, just address those people out there who may be stumbling upon this podcast today or maybe regular listeners who think, oh, I've tried everything. What is this guy trying to tell me to do? Is there any hope for me? What do you say to them? Absolutely. There's always hope for you because what you've been trying up to this point most likely is trying to just put a Band-Aid on a chronic problem. And I was doing that for a long time. Uh, so if you're willing to just you know, engage in unconditional honesty with yourself and willing to change your relationship with food, then you can absolutely change your body size, and most importantly, have the tools to maintain that for the rest of your life. Um, and I'll give you just a quick insight, because what the time of the year that we're in right now is what I call national eating season. It's the most food-centric period in the United States, from Halloween until Super Bowl Sunday, these 13 weeks, which include Thanksgiving, the December holiday parties, the football playoffs, culminating with the, with the biggest party day of the year, Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> it's just We're just inundated with food. And Jordan, for years, I would eat like crazy during this time. And it was, it's, so, it's fun and it's wonderful to spend time with friends and family and enjoy these occasions. But how often would so many of us, I mean, tens of millions, I mean, obesity is affecting more than two-thirds of, the, of Americans. I mean, hundreds of millions of people are struggling. How many of us, after the fact, are just left with that regret and that remorse? And it was never worth it, as, as fun as it was at that moment. So what, how can you, what I call, survive national eating season? So I'll give you, all, all, you know, all your, your audience, your listeners, three quick keys in order to uh, be able to enjoy these times and still survive national eating season. It's called the three Ps. You've got to mind your three Ps. It's called plan, precision, and patience. Need a plan. You can't just walk into a party and just decide to eat spontaneously. Oh, this looks good. That looks good. You know, what are you going to eat? What's going to, you know, grab your impulse and your, and your desire? You have to have a plan. Like, what does my body need now? What is this going to be my lunch? And therefore, I need to have some protein or some grains, some vegetables. Have a plan. Have it mapped out in your mind before. And don't just leave it up to your spontaneity. And then second is the precision. Be precise with that plan. Don't just, again, oh, I'll just eat all the, you know, the protein that's there. No, I know I need a certain amount. I mean, everyone needs a certain amount of serving size. And be precise with the plan of what you're going to choose, and that will give you the ability to enjoy the occasion without stuffing yourself. And number three, be patient. This is one of the things I had to teach myself in my transformative process was I had to learn the skill of satiation. I used to think, you know, being full, the goal was to eat until my stomach was full. But really, after five or ten minutes, the whole digestive and metabolism process starts to kick in, and you start to feel satisfied. You have to learn the skill of satiation. Be patient. Wait five or ten minutes. Don't eat to you, to, to you stuff yourself. One of the you know quick one of the cute uh, terms I give for that is, eat to your fill, not till you're full. Uh. Try to say that three times fast. <laughs> eat to your fill. Like what is your fill? What do you really need? Yeah. Right. Wait 
five or ten minutes, not till you're full. Till you're full means you're stuffing your stomach, and by definition, you've overeaten. Right. You keep to those three Ps, you have a much greater chance to enjoy and maximize the holiday season without having the regret and remorse. And being there Super Bowl, you know, on January 1st, you know, trying to find the next uh, magic bill or quick fix. Right. Well, I thank you for not only those, uh, but also for your enthusiasm and just general energy, a general sense of excitement about helping people. And I've known you and of you for a long time. Great to finally connect on the podcast and wishing you the best with Enough is Enough, the new book, and of course, Sovea.com. Thank you so much, my friend. Jordan, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. My thanks again to Rabbi Ellie Glazer, the author of Enough is Enough and the founder and director of Sovea, spelled S-O-V-E-Y-A, Sovea.com. Do check it out. And thanks for checking out our podcast. We love the fact that we're picking up listeners all the time. Your reviews are most appreciated. Thank you for subscribing and downloading regularly. Appreciation to our technical advisor and a man who does so much for me in this podcast, Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media. Also to Ken Carberry and everybody at Chart Productions in Boston. This is Jordan, as always, signing off saying, be well so you can do good. Catch you next time. Take care. <laughs>